Hello, welcome to Chapter 3 Podcast, the show for readers of science fiction, fantasy, and romance. This is Season 1, Episode 12. I'm Bethany, your host, and joining me are YouTubers Audrey from Perpetual Pages and Jocelyn from Yogi with a Book. And today we're going to be talking about underrated science fiction and fantasy, which should be fun. If you want to support the podcast and get early access to episodes and exciting bonus content from our guests, check out our Patreon linked in the show notes. And big thank you to all of our patrons, with a special shout out to our world-expanding patron, Trina. Your support makes this possible. For our conversation today, it's time for On My Radar, where I'll share recent or upcoming book releases in science fiction, fantasy, and romance that I'm excited about, and then our guests will have the opportunity to share one as well. The books for today's episode will be released between March 3rd and March 16th, 2021, with the exception of the guest recommendations, which may include any upcoming release. And as always, you can find these books and all the books that we talk about in the episode in the show notes. First up on March 9th, we've got two releases I want to highlight. We are getting Act Your Age, Eve Brown by Talia Hibbert. This is the final book in the Brown Sisters trilogy. I have been loving all of them. And this one is an opposites attract romance between chaotic Eve and an uptight bed and breakfast owner. Then We Shall Sing a Song Into the Deep by Andrew Kelly Stewart is a Tor.com novella that looks intriguing. It follows an order of monks living inside a nuclear submarine who believe they're meant to trigger the second coming. I mean, that's like a wild synopsis, mm. right? <laughs> <laughs> then on March 16th, there are three titles I'm excited about. First, A Queen of Gilded Horns by Amanda Joy is the conclusion to an African-inspired YA fantasy duology about royal sisters who must fight to the death for the throne. Also, there's magic and vampires, and I really enjoyed the first one, and I'm definitely looking forward to the sequel. Then, That Way Madness Lies, edited by Dahlia Adler, is a collection of 15 modern takes on Shakespeare's classics from 15 different YA authors. Previously, I read the collection of Edgar Allan Poe retellings that they did in His Hideous Heart. They were great, so I've definitely got high hopes for this. And then lastly, Fragile Remedy by Maria Ingrande Mora is a YA sci-fi book about a teen boy created to be genetically engineered medication tissue as a cure for the elite from a fatal lung rod that has been ravaging the population. But he had been smuggled out as a child, became an engineer, and then he starts to fall for a boy, but he hasn't been designed to have a long life, and now he must decide what he's willing to do to live. This one sounds like there's a lot going on, but it sounds really interesting. With that said, please join me in welcoming Audrey and Jocelyn to the show. Thank you guys so much for joining me. Yes, thank you for having us. Yeah, I'm very excited. Yeah, looking forward to the conversation. Can you guys both briefly introduce yourselves to our listeners and share your pick for an upcoming release you're excited about? So my name is Adri. My channel on YouTube is Perpetual Pages. I'm a queer, trans, non-binary, Mexican-American book reviewer, writer, and freelancer. And like I said, I do my YouTube channel where I talk about what I read on the internet, and I read pretty much everything. So um, the new release that I wanted to bring... I feel like it's kind of expected, but I have to do it. So I wanted to talk about um, Lost in the Neverwoods by Aidan Thomas, which comes out on March 23rd of 2021. I'm really excited for it. I've already read it, but I'm still excited about it. It is a contemporary, dark, twisty reimagining of the Peter Pan canon that imagines Wendy and her brothers going missing a few years before the story begins. And Wendy is the only one of them to come back. And then children start going missing again, and everyone's sort of looking to Wendy to figure out what's happening. And she runs into a guy named Peter, 
who is eerily like the stories she's told her whole life. And he claims that he knows where the children went and they're going to figure out what happened and go into the dark woods and save the town from its awful fate. And it's really good and it's really emotional and it destroyed me <laughs> and I'd do it again. Yes, I am planning on reading that one really soon. I'm so oh, excited. <laughs> so good. I'm so upset about how good it is. <laughs> I'm glad that we're stra- starting off on a really strong, like, Adri brand pick. Uh, 100%. <laughs> I had appropriate. to. I, had to. <laughs> no, I love yeah. that for you. Um, I'm Jocelyn. My YouTube channel is called Yogi with a Book. I also clearly talk about book things, read a lot of SFF, and I also really enjoy reading all sorts of Latinx books. I myself am Cuban-American, and reading Latinx literature is something that I'm just really passionate about and constantly seeking out. Hmm. A thing, or the book that I chose... A thing? That is, <laughs> there's this thing, it's shaped like a book... <laughs> that is coming out on March 30th, um, and I kind of wanted to stay in theme of the episode as well, mm-hmm. so a little mm-hmm. bit of an under-hyped book. I see literally one rating and one review on Goodreads. Uh, it's called Jelly Ya, which is spelt D-J-E-L-I-Y-A, and mm. it is a graphic novel. On the cover, it even says a West African fantasy epic, and it is written and drawn by a Senegalese French um, author illustrator named Junie Ba, and it is about a adventures of a prince and his loyal royal storyteller on their journey to meet the great wizard who destroyed their world and then withdrew into his tower, never to be seen again. So mm. it sounds really great i really love this illustrator's like illustrations (laughs) the artwork i've seen from this looks beautiful it comes out march 30th from tko studios and it seems like it's going to be a bunch of fun also because who doesn't love like traditional tales and folklore that's absolutely my jam Yes. That sounds awesome. I'm learning something already. Yeah, I know. I'm like, well, I'm looking this up when I'm editing this episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so to start off, I thought because I have the two of you here, we could talk about something that doesn't come up frequently on this podcast, just because I don't read as much of it. But both of you read quite a bit of middle grade, which... I think it's great. I read a little bit, but not nearly as much as either of you do. And I thought it would be fun to talk about science fiction and fantasy middle grade titles that you feel like don't get a lot of attention. Because I feel like there's a lot of these big bestsellers that everyone knows about, but there's a lot of smaller Mm -hmm. things coming out that are great. And I see both of you reviewing them. So I would love to hear what are some of your best picks for things people really should be reading in middle grade. I'm going to let Jocelyn start. Great. (laughs) Reverse (laughs) alphabet order. Amazing. Um, I think the first thing that pops into mind right now is a new release that is getting some traction, but I don't think nearly enough. And Mm. that is Amari and the Night Brothers by Dina Hoyson. Oh, my goodness. It was a fantastic debut. And it's all about this young girl named Amari who is – following this thread to her brother who went missing and then finds this sort of like underground bureau of um special special bureau of paranormal investigators or something i forget the actual uh 
wording of it but she finds this bureau and sort of gets wrapped up into this like fake summer camp and is looking for her brother it's it's just fantastic yes that one's on my tv yeah no i just ordered myself a copy because i keep hearing so many good things about it i'm so excited Um, yeah kind of in the same vein i feel like another new release that's flown a little bit under the radar i'm not sure if it just released or it's releasing very soon but it's the Year I Flew Away by Murray oh, Arnold, yes. which is an own voices, Haitian American sort of historical fantasy about this young girl named Gabrielle who moves to Haiti from, um, yeah, moves, moves, sorry. <laughs> it's about a young girl <laughs> named Gabrielle who moves from Haiti to Brooklyn ahead of her parents. And it's hard for her to fit in there. And she runs into this like witch who offers her a chance to like speak English perfectly and pass as an American. And so she takes the deal. And then she quickly realizes that she gave up a lot of herself and in that exchange. And then she has to battle the witch to undo the spell, which I think sounds really cool. So that one's on my TBR and I'm very excited about it. Yes, I should be getting that from the library in like a week. It sounds amazing. I'm really excited. I'm, uh, yes. (laughs) That's awesome. I hadn't heard of that one. That's cool. Yeah, I'm, I was trying to think through, because like I said, I don't read nearly as much middle grade, so I don't have anything super new. Although I am excited for Amari the, and the Knight Brothers. Mm-hmm. One that I read last year and really enjoyed was The Forgotten Girl by India Hill Brown. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. It, it was so good, and I felt like it was really flying under the radar. It's great as a middle grade ghost story, but it also is dealing with these issues of forgotten black history and communities and the poor treatment of black cemeteries and the racism with burial stuff it's really interesting and i just think very it's like spooky but not too scary for a middle grade reader and i just thought that was so good yeah Mm -hmm. i really like that one and it was like you said it sort of deals with like the the legacy of segregation and how that's still affecting current generations today. And yeah, it was yeah. I think it was really intense and, and creepy. I definitely recommend that for people looking for like a paranormal sort of middle grade fantasy. It was really, really good. Yeah, for sure. Anything else that doesn't have necessarily have to be, let's say, an underappreciated backlist title? Hmm. I have a couple, but I'm like, do, do you have thoughts? Like, you have no idea. Like, I'm like, there's like 20 things circling around my brain right now. <laughs> this, is, this is why you guys were perfect for this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one of the first ones that jumps to mind is the Love Sugar Magic series by yes. Anna Mediano, which I think you and I both are like constantly talking about. Yes. And pretty much all Latinx uh, folks who are reading middle grade are just like, read this series, people. It's so good. It's like this very sweet family, but we follow mostly Leo, who is the youngest in her family. And she uncovers the fact that her family are actually brujas. And Mm -hmm. so then they don't really want to let her in on the secret. And so she is (laughs) kind of going behind everyone's back and like trying to learn magic and there's hijinks and there's ghosts and baking and it's just wonderful. Oh, it's so good. So good. Um, I was thinking of The Jumbies by Tracy Baptiste, Mm -hmm. which is an own voices, middle grade fantasy sort of based in Caribbean folklore. And it's about this girl named Kareen who sort of believes that jumbies are just like trickster demons that parents made up just to keep their kids behaving and keep them in line. But then she sort of chases after this strange creature to the edge of the forest. And shortly after that, a stranger 
comes to town and that same stranger ends up like cooking dinner for her dad and like trying to like weasel their way into her family. And it's part of this like bigger plot to take over the whole island. So I haven't read that one myself, but I've heard really, really good things about it. Yeah, I've been hearing some things about that too recently. That's yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. I'm pretty sure in Jerry read the whole series recently. Yeah. I feel like that feels correct to me. Yeah, I think so. And I know Ashley from Bookish Realm read a couple of them and really liked them as well. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then there's also, um, I also want to give a shout out to The Real Boy by Anne Ursu, which I feel like is not talked about a lot. And it actually has an autistic hero of color, but it it is important to note that it's not on voices for the autistic representation, but the main character is like canonically autistic. And it's about this boy named Oscar, who's like a shop boy for a powerful magician. And then the children in in the nearby city start falling mysteriously ill. And there's whispers of like a dark something lurking in the forest. And so he has to like venture out of his small corner of the world and and save the home he loves and it's like full of magic it's high fantasy it's really fun and it's gotten some really good reviews from disabled reviewers as well i actually found a review of it on i think it's disability and kidlet which is this organization mm-hmm. where professional reviewers with disabilities review books that have disability at the forefront and uh, they really liked it as well and they did an interview with the author so that's also one that I think doesn't get enough love. And I read it a very long time ago and I really like it. I still have it. So like, that's the testament, you know, yeah. if you keep, the book yeah. on the shelf, you keep it for that long. Yeah. 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 It's a real one. Absolutely. That's awesome. Cool. Um, okay. So moving on from middle grade, thinking about this could be adult, this could be YA titles in science fiction and fantasy, anything that you feel like, and and there's a couple of things I want to talk about with this. Um, one is recommendations of titles you think aren't talked about enough or mm-hmm. think are underappreciated for other reasons, but kind of tied into this. I think it would be interesting to talk about some of the issues that sometimes come up with like reasons that a book might be underappreciated. Mm-hmm. And the spe- specific example that came to mind for me was some of what happened when Nocturna by Maya Montaigne came out. Oh my God. I'm so glad you brought it. I was like, me and Jocelyn are ready to go to town on this right now, right now. I- I'm going to let you guys talk about this. Well, I think it was also... I think it was also me talking about it that got Bethany to read it, right? I think it's, I yes. specifically was like, Bethany, you need to yeah. read this. The reviews are incorrect. Yes. <laughs> yes. No, that, yeah. but no, you're right. And I liked it a lot. I thought it was great. But yeah, I had a lot of feelings about it. But I would like to hear from you guys. Oh, my God. No, I'm like, where do we begin? <laughs> okay, I'll Can st- I just I'll say start. that like, I was looking it up recently on Goodreads and I saw that it was like a very low, like three star <laughs> average mm-hmm. rating. And I was just like, oh. This, this is so wrong. Like, that's so wrong. Yeah. yeah. I'll, let, I'll let Jocelyn start. I feel like you have a lot of burning feelings. We both do. We both do. My journey with this book started with getting the audiobook and wondering mm-hmm. if I wanted to start it right then or not. I naively log on to Goodreads, go down to the reviews, and the first thing I see is a one star of someone oh, calling no. it a ripoff of... Uh, what the Schwab's Shades of Magic book, right? Yeah, and I was like, mm, I'm petty enough to <laughs> double check this, <laughs> like to d- fact check this. Um, it is not a ripoff. No, it's not at all. Um, yes. I would argue that there is no way it could be a ripoff because yes. 
Nocturna mm. deals with colonialism and imperialism yes. and what happens mm-hmm. after the colonizers leave and what that means for a nation's identity and the way that people have to deal with the aftermath of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is very integral to the story of Nocturna and not something that is at all discussed or brought up or even like thought of in the Shades oh, yeah. of Magic London. Yeah, so. Yeah. That's, or that's any my- uh, any V.E. Schwab book, really. <laughs> let's just, yeah. let's just lay it on the table. <laughs> well, and I, I don't know. I mean, one of the arguments I saw that I just thought was patently ridiculous is saying that one of the reasons they think it's a ripoff is because in Shades of Magic they use language based magic. And in Nocturna, they use language-based magic. But I'm like, V.E. Schwab did not invent the idea of using words for magic. <laughs> no. Yeah. Also, also, they like to say that because both of the female leads are thieves. Yes. Oh somehow, like, you can only have one thief woman character. It's also so book. novel. Yes. Yeah. Brand new thing. Happened just Brand the new. once. <laughs> exactly. I feel like Jocelyn pretty much covered it. But yeah, it's that's the common criticism is that it's a like one-to-one ripoff of the Shades of Magic series, which makes absolutely no sense because of all the things Jocelyn just said, but also because it's like a plot-wise, it is a completely different story that, that has like nothing to do with, you know, multiple worlds layered on top of each other and, and mm-hmm. whatever else the Shades of Magic series is about. So I have to laugh sometimes. You have to laugh. Yeah. People see the superficial like uh, archetypes that the characters have Mm -hmm. settled into. And they think that just because something uses the same trope, that means it's the same book. Right. Which is extremely frustrating because that's not at all how tropes work. (laughs) At all. No. At all. And yeah, which, you know, I read a lot in the romance genre where like you purposefully books as having the same tropes because that's what people look for so it's so interesting to me that in other genres people call it plagiarism yes exactly no that's a good point yeah um i i think what's interesting about this because everybody should probably read nocturna because it is a great book and if one of you wants to talk about what it is um feel free to do that and then i i think that is an example of a larger thing I see. And if you have other examples you want to talk about or things you would like to see people read, but I do, you, you do seem to see things like this happening where particularly if authors of color are writing science fiction or fantasy that have tropes or similarities to popular books by mm-hmm. white authors, mm-hmm. they will sometimes be called plagiarizing. And mm-hmm. I, I've seen that more than once. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Did you want to summarize it, the book, Jocelyn, you or do you want me to? You are summaries than I am. <laughs> um, well, for anyone who doesn't know, Nocturna is a sort of own voices fantasy in, with this Latinx-inspired world. And it's about this face-shifting thief named Finn and a prince named Alfie, whose brother was tragically killed. And now he's obsessed with finding a way to bring him back to life. And then their two paths cross inadvertently. And I think they unleash like an ancient power that could destroy the world and they have to fix it. So that's basically the gist. But like, it's really, really good. And you should not pay any attention to the three star rating or, you know, the white people who cry plagiarism on behalf of V.E. Schwab because 
That is not at all true. And it's a really, really wonderful story. And I think, we didn't, I don't know if we touched on this, but the sequel, Oculta, was pushed back because the mm-hmm. author had to do more revisions on it because some people were saying, again, that it was too oh. close to V.E. Schwab's oh. work. So that, like, we could have had the sequel so much sooner. <laughs> and I'm bitter that we haven't because of that exact reason. I did not know that. Yikes. Yeah, that's frustrating. Also, it has one of the creepiest YA villains I've read. Yes. It does. It does. It's a very, like, tangled situation to yeah. not get into spoilers. Yes. Mm-hmm. But the ending is intense. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. That's good. Anything similar or linked like things that you can think of that you feel like have gotten a bad rap for misled reasons i mean the other obvious thing that comes to mind is any book that has been compared to six of crows in the last uh, yes years. Uh, I was say that. like guilt i know gilded wolves has gotten a bad rap for that yeah. exact reason mm-hmm. oh yeah that's true yeah, yeah, which it's really not that similar to Six of Crows. Again, uh, Lee Wardugo <laughs> did not invent heists. I'm sorry to tell people she didn't. Yes. They were around before she came. And in this case as well, we're talking about a lot of characters in the Gilded Wolves who are dealing with like colonialism and are characters mm-hmm. of color who have been um, or who are from countries that were occupied by foreign countries that stole their property and it's about yeah, like right. bringing that back <laughs> i don't understand i don't understand either <laughs> yeah well and you know roshni chakshi has talked about that she was more inspired by the movie national treasure which i totally see at an event she wanted to write national treasure but with more attractive people <laughs> <laughs> it's like okay that feels right that feels right it's a lot of like lush descriptions it's in paris there's dresses and it's i love the magic i think it's cool yeah Mm -hmm. i haven't read that one yet but i'm very excited to read it out of spite yes (laughs) what better reason to pick a book i mean i'm i know i'm gonna like it because i love roshni chakshi but it's just like that's the extra layer i'm gonna read it out of spite Did you have any other titles, Jocelyn? Because I have some, but I don't want to like steamroll over you. No, no, no. Go for it. (laughs) So the one that always comes to mind for me is like Yoonha Lee. Just all of their titles, I feel like maybe not underhyped, but like they get an unnecessarily bad rap, I feel. And I feel like they get a lot of low ratings because people are like, it's too weird. You know, I don't understand it. And it's just, that's, it. <laughs> it's so hard to explain because it's like, it's not overtly a microaggression, but it feels like a microaggression, right? Because Yoon Ha Lee writes a lot of like own voices, Korean based sci-fi and fantasy. It's very queer. It's very trans. It's very out there. And it's like, ah, I just want to start by saying like Yoon Ha Lee has a beautiful mind. And like, that's not up for debate. Like, that's just fact. And the other thing that's not up for debate is they write complex worlds. No, the other thing that's not up for debate is that they write complex, but not unknowable worlds. 
Like what they do is very human and it's very personable. And it's one of the best things about their writing. Like this is the hill that I'm going to die on, guys. (laughs) Like (laughs) I invite people to like try and carry my still smoking corpse from this hill where it is permanently (laughs) soldered. Like my body is going to decompose and re-fertilize this hill so that it can continue (laughs) its endless journey of growth and beauty. Because like Yudha Lee is incredible. It's like, I feel like people just need to read Nine Fox Gambit and realize that like, this is someone who is literally capable of doing anything. Like Yoon Ha Lee could really be out there like being a scientist, being a mathematician, being like an artist. Like they could be doing anything else, and but they're using their life minutes on earth to tell us stories that come from their incredible brain. And like, that is a blessing. Like, I just like, I'm so bad about it. Like Yoon Ha Lee is incredible. Like that's the hill I'm going to die on. That's this whole episode. Like I, Yoon Ha Lee is incredible and gets a horrible rap just for being a genius. I'm like, that's my take. <laughs> okay, I now need to go buy one of their books because I have not read them yet. You I mean, the text to. series is so good. I need to read Yes, it's so good. I feel like I people get scared off because they're like, oh, it's so, so complex and like I don't know how to begin to understand. It's like, just trust the process, yeah. bro. Just go with yeah. it. It will come yeah. to you. I've also been waiting for more people to read Finnick. Phoenix Extravagant, which is their book that came out last year, because yeah. it has an ending that I know for facts is going to piss off so many people because it's just like so out there and it's like so just next level, but like nobody's read it yet. And so I can't like, I can't gloat. I can't like lord it over people because like I'm very like, again, out of spite. I just, I love that ending so much. I'm just like, you go, you and Holly, you do whatever you want. <laughs> And I, I will love it and I'll buy it. And yeah, so I'm disappointed that more people haven't gotten there yet because I'm I'm just very spiteful about it. I'm so sorry. I pre-ordered it. I still haven't read it yet, but I'm so excited for you. you I can't wait for you to get to the end, Jocelyn, because it's just like, it's so like left field. It's incredible. I love that. Even more okay. I'm... I hundred percent need to like get one of their books. Okay, but oh, when you're saying back to middle grade though, they also have a middle grade with the Rick Riordan presents imprint called Dragon Pearl oh. standalone sci-fi. Yes, yes. Oh. Look at me. <laughs> nice. Yes. Also good. Yeah. <laughs> so what you're saying, I hear some people saying the same thing about the Broken Earth trilogy by N.K. Oh Jemisin. My God. Thank you for Which, bringing this. I was like, I was going to bring it up. I was like, this is too much. But go on. Which, look, it is, uh, it is a masterpiece. She is a genius. Mm-hmm. And it is, it's, it's amazing. I mean, there, there are so many things that could be said about it. But one thing I keep saying that I think is interesting is N.K. Jemisin in the fifth season ah. is one of the only authors that has ever convinced me that I really, really was rooting for a polyamorous relationship. Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. Because like, that's really hard to do. I feel like a lot of authors, I'm like, I don't, I don't buy the feelings And this. I was like, yes, they should be all together. I believe in this. And like, it's just like one small example of what she's capable of. And I see people saying, oh, it's too dense. It's too intimidating. It's too complicated for me. I don't understand it. I'm like, it's not that's really complicated just go go with it just go with it there are layers you can reread it again and get more from it I just 
it's weird to me because people can watch Avatar The Last Airbender as they should. It is one of the best shows in the world, which and it's sort of basically the same thing like as earthbending. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like orogeny is basically the same thing as earthbending. Uh-huh. Like people mm-hmm. use their minds and their emotions to manipulate rock. And it's much mm-hmm. deeper than that. But like the basic, basic, basic premise of the whole magic system is basically that. So it's like, if you yeah. can watch that and understand that like people can manipulate the elements with their mind, why can't you mm-hmm. wa- read the fifth season? Like it does not right? compute. I mean, just because the first book is partly writ is like written in second person, like yeah, it's not. I love that it's in second person. I actually want more books in second person because it's so interesting. Um, But both of those series, both of those series, I can attest to the fact that I am not smart enough to understand all the layers those authors are like putting out there for me. Oh, for sure. But. They made me care so much about the characters that I was like, yeah. plot who? Like, I don't need to exactly. actually know exactly. what's happening in this world. I don't yeah. need to figure it out. I just love these characters. And they 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 leave enough for me to be fully invested while also, like, completely floundering in the amazing exactly. world building they've done. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. not to go back to, like, the Yoon Ha Lee train, but, like, something I always think about in the Hexarchate series is that like it's there's all this wild stuff going on with like algorithms and space and war or whatever mm-hmm. and and all that stuff and calendrical rot and then like in the I think it's in the second book there's like this character who just like has a green onion plant who like mm-hmm. they love it and like they just want to water it and like watch it mm-hmm. thrive and it's like that's I always point to that like, that's what Yoon Ha Lee does like who cares about what's happening in space? Like these are just like people who have very yeah. basic interests and wants and desires. And it's like, that's the heart of the story. Sorry, I went back to the hill. <laughs> no, that's okay. I love it. I love it. <laughs> that's awesome. There's so many more, but like, <laughs> I'm like, there's so no, many it's, it's so good. Keep, I mean, that's what the whole episode's about. <laughs> oh my God. Did you have any other titles you thought of, Jocelyn? Um, I mean, in general, or (laughs) (laughs) there are so many titles. I know there are so many. I know there are. I was thinking maybe Um, like I I haven't read it, but I feel like Freshwater by Akwege Mezi probably gets a similar rap because it's so like expansive and it's so like different. From the sort of linear thinking and linear storytelling that we're used to. Again, I haven't yeah. read it, but I know it's very yeah. like queer. It's very sort of explores indigenous African beliefs and divinity yeah. and like multi-identity. So, and I'll I'll admit like that's sort of like intimidated me from reading it, you know, but I don't think it's going to be bad. I think it's going to be incredible because I know a Quake is like a genius, but I, I yeah. feel like it's probably a book that's like underrated because exactly of that reason well I think it's underrated and I also think it's completely misunderstood by a large oh I'm sure so like I I actually read Freshwater as an arc and I Mm. like loved it to pieces so I got to go to the launch of it I got to go to Koyu Mezzi's launch like the next week I was like holy (laughs) shit this is amazing but they spoke so much about um 
one of the things that they wanted to do with this book was they wanted to recenter their beliefs and yes. that so many Western cultures had come in and said, no, this is reality. No, this is reality. And I do see of that happening a lot in reviews, especially from white reviewers, but just in general from like Global North reviewers. There's a lot mm -hmm. of people who want to boil fresh water down to like, this is about mental illness and a girl who's unwell because she has like other selves within her. And it's like, mm. it's fully like making it's a bad so faith not. argument. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like it's very much not that. Like the author specifically was like, no, it's not about mental illness. Like it's just this <sighs> person's life. Like it. Ugh. So uh, that one I even yeah. hesitate to call like SFF because it's not that yeah. person's reality. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I think that's a really interesting one because it's like semi-autobiographical. It's like very close to a Quake's own experience. But it, yeah, it's sort of like marketed was having like this sort of genre tilt. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I think that can be sometimes the issue is when publicists don't really know how to pitch a book properly and oh, then yes. it gets torn apart for something that it never really was mm -hmm. um so like one book that i read and it's pretty controversial i feel like because there were a lot of people who didn't like it and i think part of the problem is the way it was sold was um black leopard red wolf by marlon james uh, yeah, yeah yeah oh i thought you were going with the beautiful by renee audier but oh well that means oh. that yeah no well, that i mean i actually later we can talk about that we can talk about that one too because i actually think that's also accurate yes no but black leopard red wolf was pitched as it was pitched to me. I read an arc of it actually too, but it's um, mm. as African Game of Thrones. Oh yeah, and it's not <laughs> like it's words. yeah, it's really not. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's very literary fantasy. Yes, <laughs> like, yeah. yes, very literary fantasy, and it is difficult to read because it is a lot like it's very intense it's very dark it does not pull its punches no. and like all all the content warnings on it but I think it's brilliant at doing what it sets out to do hmm. and hearing I similarly got to go to the book launch for <laughs> <laughs> um which was <laughs> uh which was really interesting hearing Marlon James talk about why they wrote the book the way that they did and the ideas behind using traditional African storytelling devices and also hearing more about, you know, growing up in a religious household as a queer Black person and mm -hmm. the some of the internalized homophobia that took a long time to deal with. And like some of that comes out in Black Leopard, Red Wolf. And so people will review it and be like, this is disgusting. This is homophobic. And like, no, that's not what it's doing. <laughs> like, so I don't know. I find yeah. things like that frustrating sometimes. Yeah, Miss Marketing. Well, I think... Yeah, I feel like that was the death kiss, like African Game of Thrones. Like, yeah. mm. So many yeah. things wrong with that. Yeah, I think it's, it's yeah, it's it it's bad marketing, but there's also like just publishing in general hasn't figured out how to effectively use comp titles because people just no. throw them out. Oh they throw God. them out without giving giving reasons for why that's the comp title. And like speaking mm -hmm, of Game mm -hmm. of Thrones, like one of the things I've 
loved watching is Ashley from Don't Have a Degree in Reading, like going through and she picked separate books for the series, comparing Mm -hmm. them to Game of Thrones and like set out with different criteria. Like when I think of Game (laughs) of Thrones, I think of how gritty it is. I think of sex. I think of multiple POVs. And then so Mm -hmm. she breaks down all of these books that are compared to Game of Thrones. And she's just like, no, (laughs) because they're not Game of Thrones. (laughs) Not it. (laughs) Yeah. People need to be, I think, more... uh, more in tune with why they are picking a comp title is it because of the way it's written is it because of the setting is it because of the specific plot element like you can't just say that it's like this thing that's not how anything (laughs) works yeah 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 you can't just say whatever you want (laughs) no No. very true and yeah i mean by a similar token you're right though we could definitely talk about the beautiful oh my (laughs) god (laughs) <sighs> it made me so sad because I I actually loved it a lot and I did so too. many people did. Oh, I don't because- understand how people didn't see there were vampires. I was like, you see those weird people in the shadows? Vampires. Like why <laughs> well, can't you tell I you know, I think the problem is like it was really sold as having vampires and like you don't know for sure they're on the page until near the end of the book. Yeah. And I think people were expecting like Anne Rice or something. I right. don't know. And that's not what it was. Plus the fact that it's really um, more of a mystery, like a historical mm-hmm. mystery mm-hmm. with paranormal elements. Um, so like they really probably should have compared it more to like, I don't know, Kate Daniels for teenagers or something. I don't know. I, don't, I mean, maybe not that specifically, but, you know, but it's more of that vibe in terms of like, there's a mystery element. I loved it. I thought it was great, but it, I think it wasn't what people were expecting. Yeah, and then it sort of, like, turned into this weird thing where, like, people didn't want to say it had vampires in it. Like, they thought it was a spoiler to say that there are vampires <laughs> in it because they, they only really come in towards the end. And I'm just like, but what do you mean? Like, it's, <laughs> there are vampires. <laughs> like, and I, I didn't think it was that subtle. I thought I, I was, like, I'm like, there's some pretty heavy hints in here that, like, there's yeah. inhuman stuff happening. So it's, yeah. like, not a stretch to be, like, this is a vampire novel. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's just that like the main character that you're following like doesn't know that vampires exist yet. So right. like until she knows, she can't name them. Exactly. The whole time. The whole time. Yeah. <laughs> Doing vampire well, stuff. <laughs> I mean, I guess. I don't know. I guess it reminds me of I like when I see people sometimes upset in fantasy books where like sexualities are not named with modern titles on the page mm-hmm. and they're like is it really there though it doesn't count because they didn't say the word and i'm like really though <laughs> is mm. that what you need I'm- Oof, yeah no that's tough <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's hard because like i've obviously you know you want to see things explicitly like you want to see people sure. use the labels you use or that you recognize but it's also like just because it doesn't have a special word doesn't mean it's not yeah. queer. <laughs> like, yeah. like yeah. we can agree that it's queer. Like, do we have to then engage in erasure because it doesn't have like, well, they didn't say they were omnisexual. Like, they didn't say they were right. demi, you know, gray ace. Like, it's like, can mm-hmm. we relax? <laughs> and also, yeah. can authors like just start making up words? Like, you you wrote a whole fantasy book or a whole sci-fi book <laughs> made up of. Make up words from yeah. your brain. Like, can you just 
make a word <laughs> for that's trans. Like I beg yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I think that's that's a good point. Yeah, I think I don't. Okay, I guess that's like kind of a, a whole different conversation, but. <laughs> Um, but it, it just makes me think about, have, have either of you guys read Winter's Orbit yet? Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. I just read oh. it last month. Yes. Yay. I love it so much, it's but. so I, good. Oh man. Yeah. Have, I'm assuming Jocelyn hasn't, but. <laughs> I, Not yet. One thing, okay. So one of the things that I think is so interesting about it though, is the way that it deals with, uh, gender and sexuality in a really different way culturally like I thought Mm. that was really cool that she made up hey you know here's how we tell people's genders is by the types of accessories they wear like yes or the way they tie a scarf I think that's so cool yeah that was really interesting Um, I was like it's it's makes me think like why don't people engage with like more mechanics like that like this is the yeah. system in our world and like this is how you know or this is how you don't know. And it's like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm kind of back and forth on it. Like I thought it was cool because it's like, yay, you know, and introducing and sort of engaging with like non-binary genders. But it's also it was called mm, it was also kind of weird because it's like, well, then you're only saying that there's like three ways to engage gender in this world. Mm-hmm. So you're making non-binary genders like the third gender box mm. which is a weird mm. energy but it, it was it was still nice to like have you know like trans or non-binary you know characters in the story and it's like they didn't have to like come out or announce themselves because it's like I'm wearing this bracelet and therefore you know that I use they them pronouns it's like okay cool right. great we know we're we're on the same page yeah yeah I yeah. think I've I've really enjoyed the way I've seen two authors now do this um Neon Yang and also mm. Aliette De Bodard, both in um, The Vanisher's Palace by Aliette De Bodard, and then in the first couple of Tensort books by Neon Yang. I haven't gotten to the rest. Um, mm. But both of them make a note, like, in the text, like, we learn people's pronouns because of, in their language, like, the way they say I is gendered. Right. Um, so when someone is, like, announcing their, their self, like, in mm-hmm. the... In the grammar, it is built in, like, what their pronouns are. Um, And I love, I also really love that because I love when people, like, use language in a really interesting way in their SFF. Yes. And they're both also uh, Asian authors. um, Yeah. I was going to say that. Yeah, that's, it's, I like that they include that in their stories because it's sort of derivative of how, like, languages in Asian countries actually work. So. Mm-hmm. Yes, I like seeing that in their fiction as well. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. So I one thing that I did want to talk a little bit about is um, either reason, I mean, we've talked about touched somewhat on this, but if there are other reasons that you think sometimes authors are underappreciated, or if you feel like there are certain subgenres or types of science fiction or fantasy books that you don't feel like get enough attention. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'll give an example of a book that I really loved Mm -hmm. and I feel like was underappreciated. And I think it's because we don't, we don't do a very good job of always. Okay. Well, I'll just talk about the books. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so it's Beyond the Black Door by A.M. Strickland, mm. which 
I really loved and it got kind of mixed reviews. It was one of my favorite books the year it came out, but it's a <laughs> it's a YA dark fantasy romance mm-hmm. with a biromantic asexual main character. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. I thought it was so good and had so many feelings. And I think what's interesting about it is I think people didn't know how to categorize it because they were confused by the Mm. fact that a character could have like angst and romantic feelings without wanting to have sex. Right. And (laughs) so. Yep. (laughs) So so I think that's interesting. Yeah. I so I think that that was like part of why it it seemed to me from a lot of the reviews I read that people were like, "What is this?" <laughs> yeah, I have I haven't read that yet, but I, yet, but I can totally see that happening and I think that we were also getting that with Alatsaway. I've heard a lot of people uh, yes. talk about uh since she is arrow. She's aromantic. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And there's like and no ace. romantic interest. People are like, "Is this middle grade?" Oh, and ace, <laughs> right? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Before I read Alatsue, actually with Joss, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, I for some reason thought it was categorized as middle grade as well. I had heard that somewhere along the the line, and like it's it's not. <laughs> mm. <laughs> it's like you can have like YA like fantasy adventure that doesn't have like the person getting together with someone else in the end and like it's still fantasy like I don't I don't know why like people had to sort of infantilize it or um, like sort of sanitize it as like not being YA because the main character was ace like it was just again weird energy I don't know (laughs) yeah yeah I think it's really interesting so I'm actually I think I think because of this I I had heard Ashley from Bookish Realm talking about this nonfiction book, and I'm now waiting to get it on audio from my library that sounds... Oh, Ace by Angela Chen? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. I read that. Yeah. Awesome. I I bought it after... Well, it had been on my list for a very, very, very long time, but I also heard Ashley talking about it. And I was like, yep, that's the final stone yeah. that's going to push me over the edge. So here I go. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, I'll probably within the next month or two get it from like having on audio, but it sounds really interesting. And I know hearing her, one of the things was that we have these weird hangups, which is, I mean, I think it's true of like with sexuality and our culture. And mm-hmm. yeah, so I think some of that comes through in these stories that like you can have a valid narrative without having to have sex, without having to have romance, or you can have one without the other, and that is okay even for teenagers. And also, mm-hmm. you know, you can sometimes have romance in a middle grade book. Right. <laughs> and it's like, it doesn't have to be like weird. Or, or like, it doesn't have to be like, I don't know. I feel like when there's sort of not even romance, but even just hints of romance in middle grade, like people get really weird about it. Like, oh, this might not be appropriate for young readers or like, would young people really have like these feelings at this age? And it's like, I I feel like most people had like crushes on other people. I don't want to normalize it because like not everybody obviously experiences sexual sexual attraction or romantic attraction, you know, but you know, I feel like most people have experienced like crushing on someone else. So it's like, is it that out of the realm of possibility? I feel like this kind of goes back to what we were talking about of 
with books that get a bad rap, but I feel like a middle grade that gets a bad rap for like this exact reason is furthermore by Tahera Mafi because the two characters have not even, they don't even have like an explicit romance. They're just sort of like forming a romantic inclination towards each other over the course of the story. And people were like, oh, I think Tahera Mafi's lost. Like, you know, she just wrote this YA fantasy romance series and now like she's trying to go middle grade and like she doesn't know how it works here and like that's not how we do it and I'm just like what are you talking about like for, for that's a crime first of all furthermore is incredible and which would is incredible so, so I'm just gonna say that beautiful. but like it's wild <laughs> I wonder, it's wild I wonder, out here see I think I wonder so how bizarre. many of those sorry you go ahead I was just going to say, I think it's so bizarre because, yeah, while certainly not everybody does, that feels to me more like adults being uncomfortable with their children having a romantic interest, not anything about whether the children actually are. Because I can, I mean, I can remember, you know, as, as far back as like when I was 10, I and my friends, like there were definitely romantic interest amongst not everybody like there were people who weren't but like a lot of people did at like 10 so like okay really though like you know what's happening there's like little kids having their boyfriends and girlfriends and having crushes and not everybody is there but it exists and so to me it seems valid to have that as a story for the kids who who want it and to do it in an age-appropriate way because otherwise they're just gonna go read YA (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, yeah, exactly. It's just like you said, I feel like it's, it's a common experience, not because everyone has that inclination again, but like, why wouldn't they when like, there's this conditioning, obviously, like in society, Mm -hmm. like, from like birth, pretty much where they're like, oh, he's gonna be such a lady killer or whatever. And it's like, then you're surprised that like, you know, 10 year olds feel like they have romantic interests. Like, like, (laughs) society is so... (laughs) Yeah. Have I said that I'm tired? Because I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> what were you going to say, Joss? I was going to say, I wonder how many of those people that were knocking Tahira Mafi are Persebeth shippers. Oh, my God. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Do not make me talk about Uncle Rick on this show, Jocelyn. <laughs> that was it. That's, we don't have to talk anymore. <laughs> That is not underappreciated. So, no, no, <laughs> oh, I no. know it is, it's overappreciated. <laughs> but that's a good point. I yeah, I'm sure they're like they have their ships like that. I don't know. That's very interesting. <gasps> oh, oh man. Oh. <laughs> Any other types of SFF books or subgenres or specific titles you just want to talk about that you feel like don't get enough attention? When I was thinking of like types of SFF that I feel are underrated or get a bad rap or don't get enough attention, I was thinking of like fantasy romance, like paranormal fantasy. And then I wrote soft SFF with a question mark because <laughs> I don't know if that's a thing because I know like hard SFF is a thing. And mm-hmm. I don't know if like that's a thing that men created so that they can feel better about themselves. Like I'm reading hard SFF or whatever, but (laughs) like, you know, like soft SFF where it's like not necessarily plot driven or it doesn't have a lot of like science, but it's like, it's just a soft little little adventure. I feel like that's kind of underrated. Also like um, graphic novels and comics. And then I wrote in all caps manga. (laughs) Like I don't know why like 
manga and comics and all that is not considered like a lar- part of the larger conversation when it comes to like SFF, especially mm-hmm. like I said, manga in all caps, because it's like that is SFF central. There's like so much fantasy, so much sci-fi happening there. It's like, but that's never included in in the general talk about SFF. And that's probably, you know, like a Western yeah. issue. <laughs> but you know, that's that's kind of what came to mind for me. I yeah. love this point about hard SFF, actually, and I had never <laughs> thought of it as, like, no, I had never thought of it in, like, traditional, like, masculine versus traditional feminine oh, really? sensibilities. That piece had never fallen in for me, but totally, yeah. like, grimdark, people go yes. so mm-hmm. wild for grimdark. And on the opposite side, like, hope punk is beautiful. Right soft and lovely and joyous i just want more of those stories i do have a few um Uh, but yeah yeah i feel like i've been seeing more people ask for that though i've been seeing a couple people put out it's like i only read dark fantasy does anyone have like recommendations for happy fantasy yes we need yeah i I mean and i think there are some well and i think with sci-fi too you get the hard like super technical sci-fi but when you say soft sci-fi my i immediately think of the long way to a small angry planet yes I, yeah i think i think of that too like a domestic sort of yeah. sci-fi yeah i, love I it. also i think of that as like the opposite side of the coin as to bring back yoon ha lee and nine fox gambit like they yes. have very similar sensibilities except yoon ha lee is like no but actually all this technical stuff is also happening exactly. <laughs> they're like best of both worlds oh, i love it okay i need to read yoon ha lee <laughs> Like this, what I'm taking away from this. <laughs> yeah. And um, I, I feel okay. like that sort of boils down to like why I think those certain subgenres are sort of underrated because I feel like I feel like SFF is such a male dominated sort of like masculine leaning genre mm-hmm. even now. Like there's still, you know, a precedent for like authors to have to use pen names like if they're not men so that men will yeah. pick up their books. And it's like, the major series that are like touchstones for SFF are all written by men. So it's like, there's Mm -hmm. this, just this idea of like what SFF is or like what it should be or like who it should appeal to. So like anything that doesn't fit in that sort of narrow lane just sort of gets left behind or not talked about as much. And the weird impulse to make every woman who writes adult SFF a YA writer. Like, yes. Just yes. Say this is YA, actually. Oh, my gosh. Yes. <laughs> oh, it drives me crazy. Well, and not even just SFF, but any genre fiction. Like, if there's ever a woman writing adult genre fiction, people are like, oh, it's this great YA book. I'm like, it is not it's YA. It's really not. It's the person not. writing that is 30 years old. Yeah. Like, the character's 25. The character's like, it's not YA. <laughs> Yeah. Like, I promise you. I, I promise you, it's I, not. Oh my gosh, I feel like every other week I'm seeing this on Twitter. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> well, like one of my so my favorite book I read last year, which is kind of like horror with a slight fantasy vibe, um, "The Year of the Witching" by Alexis Henderson, mm, which yeah. is so good. It is not YA. Nope, it's not YA. And I have seen so many people call it YA. And like it, it's really not. It's, it's really, really not. not. <laughs> Just because the main character is like nineteen is not YA. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ugh, Ugh. It's hard. It's hard. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like one of my pet peeves. <laughs> like on the book turn out. Uh, yeah. yeah uh fantasy romance i do agree and i think there's some good stuff that like people maybe don't always realize as fantasy romance and that mm. gets under hype jocelyn like a book you made me read that i love and now i'm trying to push it on other people is empire, empire stand, stand by, by tasha yes. Curry. oh yeah. my god it's on my tbr <laughs> that is it was like so the number one book i wrote down to talk about underrated sff because oh, it is god, how dare you not bring it up <laughs> I know. I, w- I was assuming it was going to come up at some point. I Don't worry. I would not have gone the full time without talking about it. <laughs> well, please pick yeah, it. Yeah, I'm like, the moment is now and give to yeah. us. <laughs> <laughs> Empire of Sand is an adult fantasy with lots of romantic elements. And we are mm-hmm. following a young woman named Meher. It is set in a Mughal-inspired era with lots of like dreamy magic and Meher is a mixed race young woman who is growing up in her father's court basically her mother were these sort of like nomadic indigenous people and so her father doesn't consider her a bastard and she does get quite a bit of privilege from that but also many people around her look down on her she sort of gets into trouble one day getting caught dancing and then finds herself basically caught up in a marriage of like a, a forced sort of marriage just to save mm-hmm. her family's life and to save her own life. And then from there, we learn about this very creepy cult-like man who sort of rules mm-hmm. this entire empire um again dreamy magic and it's just absolutely beautiful there's so much talk about consent like the marriage yeah. between Meher and the moon is like the best thing i've ever read in my entire life oh my gosh. <laughs> it's like the most beautiful it's- slow burn friends to lovers romance i um, just oh it's so beautiful <laughs> yeah. i'm trying i'm trying i'll get to it <laughs> Do you need me to buy you a copy? I will buy you a copy. <laughs> I do not have a copy, but I will read it. I swear. I swear. It is really very good. Um, okay. Well, on that note, I think that is a good place to end this. And uh, yeah, thank you guys. I think this has been a good conversation. And hopefully everybody got some awesome recommendations of books that you really should pick up even if they're underhyped. Again, this has been Chapter 3 Podcast, and I'm your host, Bethany. You can follow us on Twitter at Chapter 3 Podcast, and you can also find me on YouTube at Beautifully Bookish Bethany, talking about even more books. The next episode will be available in two weeks, and this episode's bonus content will be available to patrons in the next couple of days. Thanks for listening.